ברוך השם, you're a bad Jew. שלום. Welcome back to another episode of Bad Jew, the place where there is no such thing as a bad Jew. With me today is Devorah Goldberg. How are you? It's so good to see you. I'm really grateful to have a member of my community on the podcast. How have you been? Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor for me to be here. It's an honor to have you here. And Devorah, it's funny because we actually did a recording months and months ago of an episode that we did with you. but A, reached a shelf life and we couldn't reach it, but B, also the war in Israel has required all of us to take a shift in the kind of content that we're putting out there on behalf of the Jewish people. So today's episode, it, it feels kind of like we did a rehearsal and now we're finally in it for the, for the real. We're going to be answering a really important question that a lot of Jews are, are facing in this world. But before we get to that question, Devorah, we have what we call the four-minute Dad Jew Challenge, where you tell your life story in four minutes while I time you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. It's the right of entry on this podcast. You're going to do great. My name is Devorah Goldberg. I moved down here to Florida about two and a half years ago with my family, my husband, Yessi, my three beautiful children who are teenagers. And I live in beautiful, sunny Florida. And... My life story in a nutshell is that I have been through ups and downs, challenges like everyone else, but I have focused my choice not to wallow in pain. I've focused on my choice not to blame others, but to seek where my growth lies and to ask God where my growth lies. And in my journey, I decided to focus in this area and also I've been able to help others as well. And that's really why we're here today is because the method that I've used to release out of me what doesn't serve me and focus on the positive has been instrumental in helping me become who I am and who I am to be and also helping so many people across the globe in their personal journeys, teaching them how to release and, and allowing them to lean into their greatness as well. Incredible, incredible, and great use of the time, and also I think such a, a a great, just a great, decisive message to end it on. That's really, really well said. So, Devora, the reason people have clicked on this episode is because I think right now people's heads are polluted with this anxiety, with the need to doom scroll uh, on the internet, and take in this terrible information that is coming out of Israel and Gaza right now. You know, civilians have died within the thousands. And of course, we're seeing the world's reaction to this, which has sparked tons of racism, tons of anti-Semitism, even tons of Islamophobia out there. And it's caused for, you know, different levels of grief amongst the Jewish people and across the international community. So mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you that you know, from the individual, not the macro, but the micro level. The people, the reason why people are here is because they want to figure out how on their own independent level, they can put matters into their own hands, control what they can control and find peace during a time of war. How do individuals find peace in a time of war? 
It's a great question. And I'm going to start it off by explaining that I think as a society, we are predisposed to the word anxiety. We are so fast to be able to use the word anxious. This is how I'm sitting at a red light. I'm anxious. I got to make lunch for my kids tomorrow and I don't have a head for it. I'm anxious. Little things we allow to get to us and therefore we, we allow anxiety to take us over. Then you bring in something like a war or before the war, let's say a fight between, you know, two people, someone, someone said the wrong thing to us. And then let's bring in something like a war. We allow these levels of anxiety not only to live in our brains, but also to filter in to our bodies. And we feel that anxiety on a very real level. So what we have to do to start off is to reframe what anxiety is. Number one, it has no space in our bodies. It is a discomfort of some level, but for the majority of the people, this anxiety, this issue really doesn't belong to, to me per se. So just to break this down on a couple of levels. So there's this war in Israel. Like, like you said, there's anti-Semitism. There's hostages currently still in, at the time of this recording, I hope by the next hour they're, they're out, they're still in captivity. We have loved ones who are at war. In fact, just about an hour before we got on the call, I got a call from my brother who's serving in the IDF and the reserves. And he called to let me know, you know, I'm out for a little break, which obviously helps me breathe a sigh of relief. All these little things that are happening right now, anti-Semitism on, on the rise. And not only, it doesn't necessarily have to affect us, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, but just like you said, turning on the internet, scrolling through the feeds and knowing what's going on. Something happened in Los Angeles. Something happened in New York. It, I don't see it here in Florida, but I know that it's happening. What do we do as a society? We allow it to filter into our bodies and take it personally and let it to settle in until we start feeling a discomfort in our bodies. For some people, it's they can't take that deep breath. They just have the shortness of breath. They have perhaps palpitations of the heart. They have pains, tightness in their spine, in their hips. Some people have GI issues, real issues that are stopping them from living on a, on, on a daily basis in their optimal health. And the question is why? It's because we're allowing the stress to take over us. And it's time to reframe that and look at the stress like something, like a suggestion. Someone knocks on the door. This is what I teach my clients. Someone knocks on the door and says, hey, Chaz, you want to go for coffee with me? And you take a look at your schedule and you say, actually, I've got a full day schedule. Thanks for offering. And then you close the door. You allow, you, you can open the door and see that it, there's an option for you to think, to stress, to have something going on in your life. But you can also choose to close that door and say, this doesn't serve me. And that takes a lot of self-control, I imagine. I think the one thing that you've, you've said that I, my, my therapist has, has echoed to me a few times. And, and even my rabbi has echoed this a few times to me is to put anxiety into perspective, to be realistic about it and to essentially not let it take you over to remind yourself that you have a, a logical side, a, a more human side, if you will, that separates us from animals and that we cannot resort to animalistic like behaviors. Mm -hmm. When people are not actively closing the doors, they don't need to open. What are the consequences that come from? letting anxiety take over. Yeah. And letting anxiety take over usually means that we start feeling it in some physical way in our bodies. And for, like I said, for different people, it looks different. 
But the the red alarm that starts ringing in our bodies is when we don't feel well and we know we're supposed to be fe- we're not supposed to be walking around with migraines all day for example we're not supposed to be walking around with heart palpitations tightness in our shoulder and the the amazing thing is, is that a lot of these people will go to their medical doctors and they'll get checked out and they'll go through their tests and their tests are fine and the person says i know my body it's not supposed to feel this way what's going on and it's typically directed towards stress. So when we allow our minds to think about it, then we attach an emotion to it. I feel stressed, right? That feeling starts to settle within and we attach it to a certain part of our bodies. And here's the thing. It's the two aspects of, I'm kind of leading into the next, into the next part of what do you do to release? Because it's, it's one thing to know as humans, yes, I have a thought and I can just release it. I know there are hostages in Israel and I can just release it. I know that there's anti-Semitism uh, that was, there were swastikas on my, uh, on my synagogue and I'm just going to release it. It's hard to do it when you're in the heat of the moment. And that's where my guided meditations come in, where a person is able to release themselves, not release, but really take themselves out in that very moment, out of the here and now, out of the pain. Right now, the phone is off. There's no distractions. Make yourself in a really comfortable position. Be in a position where you can just completely release. And when you're out of the here and now, and you don't have that, that lion, that tiger in your face, then we're more suggestive to a different perspective. And that perspective of we actually have the support of the universe around us all times. And this massive issue that seems so big during meditation, it kind of looks small, by the way, because we realize that the huge universe has our back and anything that comes up in our lives, we can release and watch it become part of the universe. And we just feel more wholesome. And then at the end of these meditation sessions, my, my clients will tell me, what happened to the pain that I had before I started, like literally 20 minutes previous? And I said, you released it on a very real level. And you've talked about this before on your podcast, by the way. For those who are listening, you should all also go and chat and check out another incredible podcast called Desire to Be. Devorah has created an incredible podcast and has featured me twice on it, by the way. I'm really, really grateful to be even on the caliber of person that she would have on her show. I'm really, really grateful for that. But on the show, she has talked about some of her uh, success stories and how, I mean, there was a, there was a podcast episode recently about how there was, a, it was a fire in the womb. Is that, is that what you described? Mm-hmm. It was a pregnant woman who was dealing with uh, a grief and an anxiety. Yes. And through your meditation, through your ability to release, she, her pains became alleviated and she was right, actually not pregnant. She was not pregnant. I'm no, 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 no. She wasn't and, pregnant. But she, no, but that's the beauty of, of this meditation is that she was able, well, it, it was before the meditation. As a woman, she knew her bodies. Like everyone else knows their bodies. They know what, what good feels and they know what pain feels like. And she felt her womb on fire. That's how she described it. I have never felt it, but this woman was able to, she knew intuitively what her body felt like when it was in pain. And she identified it as, as the punishment that she was feeling in her head, right? She was feeling this discomfort. She was feeling this anxiety within her, within her relationships. 
and she felt like she did something wrong and she was being punished by God. And she took this thought of the punishment and she let it settle down in her womb. And during meditation, she asked the question in her thought, what would you like from me? And the womb said, she, it answered in a thought. It was just, it's very intuitive. It's kind of like, you know, when we're thirsty, do we have like, you know, a, a light blinking in our head? Are you thirsty? It's just, you know, it's a feeling. So that's the best analogy. And her womb asked her at the time during meditation, I don't want to be punished. I don't want to feel this punishment in it. I want to feel like a child who's born and loved and taken care of because that's where we all start. We start off in the womb. What do you have to say for the condition of human beings that we are self-actualizing? That human beings, it's in our nature to have an idea that might not even be true, but because we start to fixate on it, it starts to become a reality. Can you give an example? Sure. I think, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm speaking to, I'm thinking of a specific friend, right? Mm -hmm. She has an incredible level of anxiety and mm -hmm. her social anxiety tricks her into believing that no one desires her, that no one is interested in her romantically. Mm -hmm. There's no uh, physical appeal to her and her self-esteem is low. And so she has this idea, whether it comes from her parents or whether it comes from these fab completely fabricated out of thin air concepts that she has taken on. Mm -hmm. She believes that no one genuinely wants to be her friend. And what ends up happening is because of her antics and because of the way that she carries herself out, it does end up driving people away. And so that is a self-actualized thought. And that's Correct. not the only person I'm thinking of. I mean, that's mm -hmm. happened. I'm, this can also happen in the reverse effect. I could, I've personally been telling people that my life is great. And that's because it has genuinely been great. There have been a lot of great things happening. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I self-actualize not just the feeling of being good, but genuinely like seeing a difference in the pictures that, I, that people take with me. Now, oh my God, that's what I look like when I'm glowing. Like that's self-actualized right there. You do glow, by the way, in all the pictures that I see. <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> you look like a genuinely happy person. <laughs> I, I have become a genuinely happy person. I, mm -hmm. I, I, a lot of that has been self-actualized. A lot of that has also, you know, there's been actions and a lot of work that I've done for that. And some of the work, by the way, that you helped me with because you, Devorah, have given me personal meditations as well. You've sampled yes. your work to me. And it's an incredible service that you do for people out there who need more than just a one-on-one -on -one sit down session to talk about something that they actually need to confront. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase it as the inner universe, their inner universe, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So. Absolutely. And yeah, to go back to your question about when we get fixated on something and then we actually live it, that's where the release comes in. What we do is go back to that initial moment where you started feeling this way. Is it because your mom, your dad? Is it because of teachers? Is it because of peers when you were back in fifth grade and you just kind of, you know, allowed that to, to be believed by you? Let's go back to that scenario in meditation. 
All right. I'm, I'm focusing on the meditation part because sometimes we're so full of the pain and it's literally, it's, we got piles within us just piled up over the years. So if I would come to a person and say, you know, that's a really bad attitude. You know, you're, you, you know, you're not that bad. And a person could say, I know I'm not that bad, but because they're fixated on it and because they've allowed it to become part of them, then it's become their reality. So how do we shift that reality? And the, the, the core answer is two answers here. It's release during meditation. Mm. And the meditation, like I said, allows a person to go into a suggestive mode outside of the here and now. And I'm able to bring in that initial moment of discomfort and help the person release. It's through the, the, the power of the breath, as well as the specific music that I have playing in the background and my suggestive thoughts. So I suggest it, but it's the person themselves who's actually doing it. And one by one, we allow the person to let go, to, to let go out of us because we don't have to hold it. Our bodies are not strongholds. They're not supposed to be. They're supposed to be, you know, a flow of blood, a flow of oxygen, muscles, bones, et cetera, the whole makeup of our bodies. But we use it like real estate. And what I tell people all the time is that our bodies are the most expensive real estate there is in the world. And it's not just figuratively. We actually build cities of resentment. We build up pain within us. There was one person who told me once, they said, how do I release, how do I forgive Hamas? They said, I feel so much anxiety over the Hamas who's just, they're just, you know, horrible animals. I said, I agree. But why are you holding them inside of you? Really? Are they, are they paying rent? Do they have space within your most precious real estate there is? Yours is your precious, your most precious, Chaz. Mine is, is my own. And the problem is, is that we hold it within us because we're not sure what to do. We're not sure how to release. We're not sure how to forgive. We don't have to forgive. We don't have to let someone else's actions become part of us. If a person doesn't even want to go into meditation, they can use the simple word of release so that when the thought comes to their mind, like I said, you know, that neighbor who knocks on the door, that friend who knocks on the door says, hey, you want to come for coffee? It's a suggestion. Hey, Chaz, you want to think about this thought? You want to think about holding on to Hamas in your body? And you can think the word release. The word itself is so powerful because saying it allows us to feel it at the same time and you let that thought go. It's really just a thought. Your friend who is having social anxiety, essentially it's a thought. Unfortunately, it's become so part of her. She believes it and it's a feeling to the form that, to the point that it's anxiety. She may not want to go out to be with friends. People may reject her. But essentially, it's a suggestion. And she can, like everyone else, release, release people, release the thought, release the idea. And paint a heart, you know, kind of like just think of the shape as it's, as it's forming. And give yourself love back. Give ourselves the love that we need in the moment that we don't even know what to do. We just know that we're able to release and give ourselves self-love, self-acceptance. And God will figure it out. Coming back to the war question. 
We don't know how, when, or why it's going to be resolved, but we need peace within us. So let's start within. Beautifully said. You mentioned that you have family right now serving in the front lines within Gaza, that one of them is on break. Who was that again? His name is Moshe. Moish. Moshe. And, yeah. and he's your brother? He's my brother, yeah. He's your brother. So I'm going to ask you a question I've never asked anyone on this podcast. How are you? How am I that he's in Gaza? Just how are you? Well, thanks for asking. And I've gone through phases. When I heard that he left Toronto to join the IDF, to rejoin, because he's there in reserves, I felt this pit in my stomach. And then when I heard that he's in Israel and he's in training, and then he had to give his phone in, I had another discomfort hit in my stomach. But then I realized that I cannot hold the pain, the fear within me. And I had to release, release that moment, release the fear, and just be fixated on the fact that he's in God's larger loving hands. And we also have a family WhatsApp group where we say to Helene, we say Psalms constantly. So you just, you, you tell, you, you let everyone know the chapter you're saying and you, you post it. And then the next person says five, 10, one, whatever you want to do. So there's positive energy flowing as well. We did an episode on Tehillim and, you know, since this conflict has started, I've learned about the power of Tehillim. So I'm really uh, inspired by that. Uh, it seems, it feels like a lot of the act of release also, and this is not me trying to invalidate. This is me trying to understand the, the concept of it. Cause I've always struggled personally with that, the act of releasing it's, it's mm -hmm. not something that comes natural to me all the time, but in a lot of ways, it has a little bit to do with imagination and being able to connect dots, if you will. Am I, am I, am I on point with that or am I completely in left field on that? Well, it depends which dots you're trying to connect. I suppose, because we're talking, we, you even described the visual of, of a heart, for example, mm -hmm. which I think you mean like the, the graphic design heart, not a biological. Correct. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so the, the image of a heart being created around the idea and, and, and engulfing you kind of the way you described. Again, I think that that requires some visual imagination. Mm -hmm. that, is that correct? Correct. A lot of people, you know, there's different types of learners out there. You have auditory listeners, you have kinetic learners like myself. I'm a kinetic learner. I need to almost interact with it in order to understand it. That's why I love mm -hmm. board games so much. And then you have visual learners mm -hmm. as well. Do you adjust your styles of meditation based on how people interact with the way that they learn? That's a great question. The fascinating thing is, Chaz, if someone were to tell us both a story, we're both sitting in the same room, and then after the story, they ask us to paint the picture that, was, that has been painted in our mind, that painting will look very different because our minds naturally turn to visuals. Yes, when a person learns, that's, it, it, it can also translate in What's your strength in how you prefer to learn? Do you prefer to learn with audio, visual, kinetic, exact, et cetera? But the fact is that our minds are always working in visuals. So the beauty of meditation and the beauty of the way I bring it to my clients is that 
I suggest a general picture, a, a general scenario. And I ask my clients to feel the feelings, see the lights, see the warmth, feel what they're sitting on. Some person sitting on a cloud, some person sitting on a piece of sheepskin. Feel whatever connects to you, what makes you feel comfortable in that moment. Some people like the visual of resting in God's hands and feeling that support. Some people connect more to resting on the moon. These are all part of God's greater universe and a greater way of feeling that support in the moment when we want to release, but we want to know, hey, who's catching all this stuff? Right. So we'll have the visual of perhaps, you know, a, a fountain and that issue, that person, that insult is leaving your body and going somewhere. So we want to know if it's not, if I'm not controlling it within me, where is it going? So people like to know, have the feeling of, yes, it's not coming into me, but it's going into a cloud. It's going to the universe, the atmosphere, God's hands, etc. And it allows each person who goes through these meditations to paint their own picture. And people will tell me, I saw the color blue. I didn't tell them to think the color blue. There were birds chirping. I didn't mention there were any birds, but because our minds go to visuals, that's where, uh, that's, that's, that's what makes it more individualistic. I had one client who, tell, who told me that during the meditation, a loved one came to them and said, I'm okay. They've been thinking about this loved one who, sorry, who passed away. The loved one who passed away. And during the meditation, we weren't talking about loved ones at all. But this loved one came to this person and said, I'm okay. All is well up, up here in heaven. Again, I didn't lead them to that space of meditation, but they were out of the here and now. They were able to access a space where, by the way, we reach that space every single night. When, our, when we're in this subconscious state, we're not thinking about our to-do list for the next day. We're in a higher realm. So during meditation, you get to reach that higher realm space, but you're not asleep unless you fall asleep. That's something else. And that is a concept I know from the directly from the Torah as well. I know it's the idea of your spirit does leave your body and go somewhere halfway between life and death, I believe, mm -hmm. correctly. Yeah. I think that that's a really good teachable moment, a good blend between what you do and some Torah study right there. Mm -hmm. I, I also want to ask you, Devorah, I've always wondered this. Who meditates the meditator? As in, we already, we, we, we already, ha we always have that question. What came first, the chicken or the egg? We also have the question, who delivers the mailman's mail? So my question is, who helps you with your meditation? That's a great question. I have connected with specific soundtracks and I use the same guidance that I give my clients. I've curated it through different uh, meditations that I've listened to. My favorite is Dr. Joe Dispenza. So I've listened to a number of his and they actually go much deeper than where I bring my clients. It, he brings you to a black space, complete letting go of the unknown. And a lot of people are scared of the unknown. So I will reframe it a different way. Now, if someone's mind takes them to the dark space, that's wonderful. But some people like to feel the light, feel some kind of warmth. But yeah, to answer your question, I, I love doing my own meditation. I feel it's very, very important. In fact, sometimes when I'm going through my day and I'm not sure how something is going to turn out or I feel some kind of resistance, I'll go into a state of meditation because in that space, I can feel that it's all taken care of. And in that space, I'm a way of 
feeling any disappointment or something that may have gone wrong or an insecurity or a fear, I'm in that space where it's all, it's okay. It's all good. God has my back. I'm connecting right now to God, to that energy. And that's what I need to focus on the rest of my day. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm so happy that you're accounted for as well. I have one more question for you before we wrap up this podcast. And that is for those who are listening, who are seeking out that peace of mind during a time of war, what is a basic tangible place for them to start before they call you? A basic tangible place to start. Turn off your phone. If you usually scroll for, first of all, first thing in the morning and last thing before bed, stop it now. Okay? Because actually, if you go to that subconscious space in our mind, when we wake up, we're, we still have that, we're still in that state of subconsciousness. And right before we go to sleep, we're kind of in day's mode. We're also entering that subconscious phase. We don't want those images, the first thing in our minds and the last thing in our minds, because that's going to bring us to that space as we sleep. And that's not clean and clear. That's number one. Number two, when you do see those images, let, it, let yourself know that it's a perspective. Someone took a picture. Someone wrote a caption. You could say, it's terrible. I don't really know the, truth, the full facts. You can also tell yourself, I've seen enough for today. I'm going to shut it off. You can also say, when you see something terrible and you feel it within, you can use the word release. Just close your eyes. Say the word release a number of times and let it go. Some horrible story, someone, God forbid, we, we're losing soldiers every day or every couple of days. Release it. Say a prayer in your mind that their soul should be elevated for the good. Try to connect yourself into something positive in the moment and don't let that be the last thing that, that you're taking away from that post. I think that's so beautifully said. And Devorah, I want to thank you for taking the time to give people that are grieving in this tumultuous time in our history, in our, in our Jewish identity, this crisis mm -hmm. that is currently. I want to thank you for making it tangible and bite-sized and you know, just, just actionable items that people can start taking on to find that peace of mind. Devorah, should someone listening want to elevate themselves to a place of peace with your guidance, what is the best way for people to reach out? You can find me on Instagram at its.devoragoldberg. Find me on Facebook under my name, Devorah Goldberg. LinkedIn, my name, Devorah Goldberg. I am very quick to respond. Let me know your questions. Even if you're not ready to jump into a meditation, even if you think the word meditation is scary, you just want to ask the question. You want to see if whatever you're holding on to is even releasable. Reach out, ask me the question. I'm happy to engage. Fantastic. Wonderful. Devorah. It's been a real treat to have you on this podcast. You've given everyone here information that directly attacks a pain point that so many of us are feeling. And again, I want to thank you for helping us take the steps needed to alleviate that. So it's really wonderful to have you guide us on how to release. So thank you. For those listening, thank you for tuning into Bad Jew, and we will see you next week. Shalom. Sure.